It's so good to be here with all of you. We'll start out with a prayer, right? Close your eyes, let the props get up here and pray. Don't be looking, no peeking, just kidding. All right. I come before you, Lord, as a, a humble servant, Father. I lay down my life for you, God. I thank you for what you have done in this broken, humble spirit. And so, Father, today I pray that your words will come forth, the words that you have for your people. I thank you, God, today that you have a way out for all of us of the wrong thinking and the lies. And I thank you, God, that you will be glorified today because that's, that's all I'm asking for, Lord, is for you. And so I just thank you, Father, for this message. I thank you, God, for the testimony. And I thank you, God, that you are here amidst, amidst all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to read the word, and then let's get started. So um, this is Romans 5.19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one the many were made righteousness. You may have a seat. We're going to start with the very first point, which is self-awareness, being aware of things. So what does Romans 5.19 mean? Well, Paul continues to contrast the powerful actions of Adam and Jesus. Adam's action was one of disobedience. He and Eve disobeyed God's direct and clear command to them, Right? Don't eat of the, the tree. And the result of that disobedience, as Paul is showing, was that there were many sinners. Now let's compare that to the world, our lives. Because everyone was born into a sinful nature, without the guidance of Jesus, we have all been affected by sin. Sin from the people around us and our own sin. I'm going to give a word to what happens when sin affects our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. And I'm going to call it trauma, all right? Sin produces trauma in our lives. So we've all experienced trauma, right? Because we've all experienced sin, right? All of us have. And there are many degrees of trauma. Well, did God know we were going to experience trauma from sin? Well, let's see. Let's look at Psalm 34, 18. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So yeah, he knew that we were all going to experience something out of the trauma from sin nature. When trauma from sin comes at us, and for some trauma, it starts in the womb. So trauma can happen anytime from the womb to present day. And many times. The effects can affect people and how they think, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Trauma, sin, always attacks through lies for wrong identity. And the enemy has a file on all the trauma in our life. So this represents trauma, the storms of life, right? You see the storms, there's some lightning and thunder and dark clouds. So this represents the trauma in our lives. So I'm going to take you through my testimony. The first time that I really experienced trauma that affected my identity. 
And it comes from when I was 14 years old. And my father died of prostate cancer. So before that, I grew up in a Catholic home, I'm very involved in church. My, my mother was uh, president of the Altar and Rosary Society, and priests and nuns came to our house for dinner, and, um, and my, both of my parents were servants. They were always helping everybody, the neighbors, both my parents. And so they really had you know, the servant's heart, but to me, God was way up there, and he judged me. Didn't have the word of God around me, but, you know, we prayed and we talked about God. And we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love. And so uh, we had, you know, it wasn't a new home, but it was, my mom kept it nice. And when I was 12 years old, uh, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer. They gave him six months to live, but he lived for two years. And at the time, the doctors told my mother not to tell the two younger children. So at that time, I was 12, my brother was eight, and then three older sisters, two of them were already married. And so one morning, I woke up, but let me tell you, I knew something was up. You know what I mean? I wanna tell you about that. You know, they, they don't tell you, but I remember one time we were all getting, waiting in the car, and dad comes out, and I'm like, mom, dad wet his pants. And mom goes, don't say anything. So there you are, you know, you're like, you see? You know what I mean? What's that about? So I'm 14 years old, and somebody wakes me up one morning and says, your dad has died. And, uh, and I was a daddy's girl. I was, said we had a brand new couch, that nobody ever sat in because we had two lounge chairs and my brother always sat with my mom and I always sat with my dad. So, you know, that's just, you know, how close I was with my dad. And so thus began this trauma in my life. And at the same time, my mother had rheumatoid arthritis and I think because of her trauma, it rose up and she was in so much pain. And so my mom wasn't there for me. My mom was in bed most of the time in pain. And so what happened to that 14-year-old girl from the trauma of going to this wonderful home to nobody is that the lies started coming in. Lies that you're all on your own. You, you got nobody to help you. And then all these lies start coming in about my identity. And I want to show you some of them. But before I do that, I want to show you the unhealthy emotions so that you can, I want you to see some of the unhealthy emotions that I started believing from the lies. And I'm, I'm hoping that you will be able to see some things that may be in yourself from your trauma. And this comes from the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. So here's some unhealthy emotions that came out of my trauma and see if you can see yourself in them. You say one thing to people's faces and then another behind their backs. You make promises that you have no intention of keeping. You blame people. You attack people with anger. You give people the silent treatment. You become sarcastic. You give in because you're afraid of not being liked. You leak out anger by sending an email containing a not so subtle criticism. You tell only half the truth because you can't bear to hear a friend's feeling. 
You say yes when you mean no. You avoid and withdraw and cut off. And you find an outside person with whom we can share, you can share in order to ease your anxiety. So what happens from that? We start choosing unhealthy emotions to live our lives. And Jesus shows us that healthy Christians do not avoid conflict. His life was filled with it. Out of a desire to bring us peace, listen to this, he refused to spiritualize conflict avoidance. He teaches us how to communicate in love and set boundaries in love. Point two is thy will be done. I want you to take a look at the one-way sign. And so what happened is when I started believing all these lies and, 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 and it's affecting me, right? Making unhealthy choices. I accepted Jesus into my heart and he started taking me out of that. And so he started taking me and he says, there is one way out of that, right? It's a one-way street so that you're traveling one way. He has a purpose and a plan for us to move out of our trauma. First is knowing that he is with us in every trauma. Part of our journey into freedom is him revealing this to us. So let's look at Deuteronomy 31.8. And the Lord is the one who is going ahead of you. See, he's going ahead of me out of the trauma. He will be with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. I want to talk about healthy emotions now. And as I read them, I want you to listen for the ones that you go, oh yeah, I'm getting better at that. Oh yeah, that's what I want you to look for. What are the things that you're like, yep, I am doing that. Naming, recognizing, and managing our own feelings. Identifying with and having active compassion for others. You getting better? Having compassion for others? Initiating and maintaining close and meaningful relationships. Here's a good one. Breaking free from self-destructive patterns. Being aware of how our past impacts our present, right? Kind of what my testimony is. Developing the capacity to express our thoughts and feelings clearly. Respecting and loving others without having to change them. Anybody want me to read that one again? Right? <laughs> Asking for what we need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and respectfully. Accurately self-assessing our strengths, limits, and weaknesses, and freely sharing them with others. And learning how to grieve well. Can you see some things that you've gotten better in? Right? Yeah, we're getting better at that. Well, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 10.5 and see how we go from unhealthy to healthy emotions. We are destroying arguments, right? All those lies and, and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so that's kind of our journey. And 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. That's a salvation prayer. Lord, you know, come into my heart, take over, take all my sins, you know, show me how you've done that. And that's the journey. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what happened to me in trauma. And I'm going to call this file 
lies that Joyce believes. Because during that trauma in here, when I'm experiencing things, and the enemy is telling me, you're all on your own now, you're all by yourself, there were some other things that he spoke to me that I didn't know were lies. And this is the biggest one that I wore all the time until I learned you didn't have to, is condemnation. So out of this trauma, I condemn myself for any mistakes. Because remember, I had to take care of myself. So I knew people were watching me. I'm the one, you know, I'm responsible for me. So I better do a good job, right? And so I condemned myself for every mistake that I made. My favorite thing I used to say to myself was, you're so stupid for any mistake. The other lie that I believed is that I was all alone, that I had to do this, there's nobody helping me, I had to do this all alone. And so you better, you better do it right. If you're doing it all alone, right, you better do it right, which brought this one. And see how the layers go? Condemnation, I'm all alone, so I better control things around me. So I wanted to control other people, I wanted to control myself, and controlling that self thing brought this on, perfectionism. So now, you know, I, you looked at myself, I had to be, I was a teacher, I had to be a perfect teacher, a perfect mom, a perfect Christian, I had to keep a perfect house. How's that work for you, right? Perfectionism. So I was always beating myself up, condemning myself, I'm all alone, you know, I better control this. And then, you know, as a Christian, I then thought, well, I'm my savior and I'm everybody else's savior. So, you know, if you need to know the truth, come see me, right? <laughs> but then this was the one that was just really, really, really hard for me. And that was a wrong identity. And so what happened is that in this place, I was carrying all these. It gets pretty heavy when you're carrying all these things, right? And they're all kind of attached to each other. So the enemy could push on one and all of a sudden they're all weighing me down. And I'm beating myself up. And my identity was that he made me the wrong way. I used to cry, why'd you make me this way? I used to say that all the time to him. Because people would say, mm, these are the things where the enemy attacked me. You have a lot of energy. You're animated. You're theatrical. You have drama. You're really unique. You know, all those things. And oh, I can remember it. It hurt my stomach. It hurt my heart when people would say those. And I'd be like, I hated my identity. I hated how God made me. Until when I began to move forward with him one way. He changed that. So let me show you how he changed that. So he's calling me out, and I'm getting closer to him. And he says, I want to talk to you about your identity. He said, I made you that way. He says, I'm counting on you telling everybody about me enthusiastically. Well, that's what I'm doing. That's what, I, that's what I'm doing right up here, right? This is how he made me. 
So he took the wrong identity and he said, Jesus Christ died for that wrong identity. I'm giving you a new identity. And he put it on the cross. Then he says, how's this working? I'm nobody's savior. And every day I say that, every morning I say, I am nobody's savior and I'm nobody's judge. I can't do it. I'm not taking on that responsibility. I can only surrender my life to you, the one who loves me. And he says, would you like to nail that to the cross? So I took this off, put it on the cross. And then I remember this one. I remember reaching out and I'm like, help me with perfectionism. Help me with perfectionism. It's horrible. It's horrible because you fail every day as a perfectionist. You never have a perfect day. So as a perfectionist, you fail. I'm a, hi, my name's Joyce. I'm a failure. <laughs> right? He says, I'm going to show you. Take that off. And he gave me grace, and he took perfectionism on the cross. Then he said, control. This is the hardest thing, isn't it, when you're trying to control people, control yourself, especially trying to control people and, and to lay it down and trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. He said, you want to try that? I go, you have to remind me that one about a million times. And he did. This one took a while. And we put it on the cross, control. And then he showed me where he was with me all the days of my life, that I was never alone, that that little girl was never alone, that he was with me. He showed me how he was with me all those days, all those times. And I knew that I will never, ever, ever be alone again. He's always with me. This one was the biggie. I didn't know that there was no condemnation in Christ Jesus until I learned it, right? I just thought that's what, it, what you do. You condemn yourself. I didn't know it was a lie. I just thought, well, that's how you get better. Condemn yourself. I'll tell you, he still uses this one. You know, I got I to gotta watch for this. Because this was such a stronghold on me. I always, every day I got to watch how, you know, because he's like, huh, I really had her on that one. I can sneak it in. So every day, therefore now, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I thank God he set me free. <laughs> Praise God. It's a miracle. It's a miracle what he's done. When I started thinking about it, when we started doing this message, I cried. I cried because I saw how he has healed me. I cried. I'm like, you, it was like a miracle where I used to be. So how do we get from those unhealthy emotions to the healthy emotions. The only way is through Jesus Christ. The only way is through Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna read you some things that you can do that will help you. Because you can still go to heaven and live in your unhealthy emotions. You can still go to heaven and condemn yourself all the time. You can still go to heaven and try to control things. You can, you, can, you can wear these and still go to heaven, right? But it's not the life that he has intended for you. He's intended for you to move forward one way. So these are the ways that you can move forward. These are the ways that you can 
put your lies on the cross. Ready? Awakening and surrendering to God's love in any and every situation. This is where I got the book. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. The second thing, positioning ourselves to hear God and remember his presence in all we do. Those are things we can say, I want to do that to move forward. Maybe you're doing these things, or maybe there's things you want to get better. So just listen and think. Yeah, I'm doing that, or oh, yeah, that one, I help me, God, to be better. Communing with God, allowing him to fully indwell the depth of our being. Practicing silence, solitude, and a life of unceasing prayer. Resting attentively in the presence of God. Understanding our earthly life as a journey of transformation. It took a while, right? Transformation toward an ever-increasing union with God. Finding the true essence of who we are in God. Praise God. Praise God that old identity is nailed. Loving others out of a life of love for God. Developing a balanced, harmonious rhythm of life that enables us to be aware of the sacred in all life. That's good, isn't it? And this one, this is about us. I love this one. Living in committed community that passionately loves Jesus above all else. Ooh, isn't that good? Let's live in this community. We're never supposed to do it alone. Aha. See? Never supposed to do anything alone. So the third point is how do we move forward? In John 10.10, thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. So I want to talk to you a little about the one-way street. So maybe you can, this will help you in your journey moving forward. So the enemy remembers all the lies that I believed in here, Right? And he's, he's got that file, and he goes, oh, I know, condemnation, that'll get her. She's alone, perfectionism. He knows those files, right? And so God's helping me, and he's pulling me out. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Yes, yes, it's good, it's good. And then, boom, right? That darkness on the two sides, it comes at you. And you're like, and your automatic is to start going back. Going back to the old way, the old lies, the old way of thinking, the condemning myself, and uh, you know, all those things, you're all alone, you know, all those things, you better be perfect in this, you know, you're, and, and, and I, and then you're in this, and you're like, no, this is not me, and so you're like, help me, Lord, and he helps you come out of it, and sometimes You'll be there and you go, ah, and you start heading and you go, no, you know, you're like, you know, you got, you start, you're getting better. Or sometimes you're here and you're like, ah, you're like, you know, you're like, don't let me, don't let me go back. Don't let me go back. Help me, help me, help me. Right. There's so many different ways that the enemy uses to get us trying to go back. He wants me to put back on condemnation all the time. He does it and he goes, put that condemnation back on. Right. So let me show you a little bit what happens when you're driving in a car, right? It's a one-way street. I'm driving in a car. All of a sudden, I'm going back. So if you're in a car and you're driving the wrong way in a one-way street, what's happening? People are honking at you. You're like, ah! 
everybody's freaking out, right? Everybody's freaking out. How can I turn around, right? It's the same thing that happens when we go back to our old ways. When we head back, it starts affecting people around us, right? It starts instilling fear. It's the same thing because we're going back to the old emotions, the old way. And that's why one way, I thought about this, one way to where the streets are made of gold. Ooh, come on, come on. That's where I'm heading. So our journey is discerning our thoughts daily, taking thoughts and making them obedient to Jesus Christ, deleting the files that are lies, not thinking that way anymore. Sometimes I'll say to myself, I don't think that way anymore. I don't act that way anymore. Sometimes I do. Sorry, Jim. Sometimes I do. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Amen? All right. So let's look at 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert every day, right? Because remember that path? You got a light ahead of you, that path's a little windy. You go, I never thought I was going to go that way. He's like, go my way. But there's that darkness on both sides. So you have to be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around. He's on those two dark sides. You're on the path. I got my eyes on you. Just, right? Seeking someone to devour. So resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. Every single one of us takes this path. Different lies, different trauma, different... But this is our path one way, right? And then the enemy does something. And we can either go back, we can stand. I'm telling you, nobody does this perfectly. When the enemy, everybody, it stops them. So nobody goes, oh, yeah, no. You got to know this. Come on. Because otherwise you're perfect. Who's perfect? I'm not doing it. Don't make me raise my hand, right? So now we want to move forward. Don't go down the wrong way, right? And don't think you'll be stuck for the rest of your life. He sets people free. If you go, well, that's just how I am. I always do that. Unhealthy emotion. God says, I got a way for you. I got a way for you that you can live on heaven as if you're on earth. On earth, on earth as if in heaven. It gets better. When you move forward, I'm like, Boy, that that used to get me. I used to put that condemnation thing on. I'm getting better. So, John 8.32 says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? Isn't it so good? The truth sets me free. The truth helped me to put it on the cross. So I want to tell you a, a little story. So Thursday... I thought the Lord and I would take some time and just kind of go through the message and, you know, just kind of so that it's going to flow. But he says, let's go for a bike ride. So I get on the bike. Boy, this is fresh. I get on the bike and he goes, let's go back to that 14-year-old little girl. There is another layer to be added to the cross. And he took me back to... When I was a a cheerleader, they didn't have girls' sports when I was in high school. So I was a cheerleader, and it was football, and it was dad's night. And all the football players and all the cheerleaders are out in the field, 
with their dads. So I had to pick a dad. I didn't have a dad. So I, had to, I had to pick a dad, you know. So I picked that friend's dad. And I knew, everybody knew that that was Dora's dad. And I'm out on the field. That wasn't my dad. And I remember feeling, this is so stupid. I don't even want to be out in this field. I just want to get off the field, right? So I picked Dora's dad. And the next day, my friend said, hey, my dad was mad because you didn't pick him. And I'm like, I don't have a dad, and I can't even pick the right dad. <laughs> you know, and it was just like, ah. So now, my mom was just struggling in her, her pain. I mean, her hands were from the arthritis, right? So she, pulled, she, got, she picked my sister to be my mom. Oh, you know, I was just like, so now I'm out in the basketball court. Everybody knows that's not my mom. Everybody had a mom. They had their mom but me, and I'm on the court, and I'm, I'm like, this is so stupid. I'm like, get me off this court. I just wanted, I just, I, I couldn't imagine if there was a video on me, you'd be like, something's up with Joyce, right? And so I'm on a bike ride, and he's showing me this, and then he takes me to another place where we had this five-bedroom house. I grew up in it. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't a new house, but it was five bedrooms. We had two porches. Across the street was a baseball diamond in the playground. Across the dike was a lake. I went fishing and swimming. I mean, it was just wonderful, wonderful place. But my mom was really struggling, and so, you know, family helped her get a different house. And she wasn't able to drive. So I think it was the summer before my senior year in high school, we moved to this house that was so tiny. And it was like a half a block from downtown. So my mom could walk. I knew the whole thing was best for my mom, but for me, the house, I was, I was embarrassed by my, here you are, you moved to a new house. Mm. I was embarrassed by the house, so I'm on the bike ride. And he takes me back to those feelings, and he gave me a name. He said, shame. Oh, I didn't even know. I didn't know I was carrying shame around. I had no idea that I, from here, I have been carrying shame around. I didn't even know, and he pulled it back on that bike ride. This is Thursday, his timing, is it good? <laughs> And I was set free. And I'll tell you, we're working out. We're going to look at all the things where shame came in. And the next one that's going up here is shame. So, Matthew 14, 25 through 33. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Right? So here's that thing, take courage. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Joyce, Joyce replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, right? moving forward, got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and came towards Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, and when he saw the storms coming at him, right? Of the two sides, the storms coming at him, he was afraid, and he began to sink when we start believing the lies. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. That's what he does for us. Did you notice when he started sinking the fear? When he started going back, they were all afraid in the boat, right? All he had to do was reach out, call out Jesus' name, and the people around them. He wasn't perfect, was he? But he cried out to Jesus, and it calmed the people around them. That's all we have to do. It's not about being perfect. When that struggle comes, we cry out, help me, right? Help me. Help me. 